Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's time for Chattanooga Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Welcome to this edition of Chattanooga Business Radio. My name is Drew Ermans. I'll be your host this morning. Uh, we're hosting live at the Regis Office Center in the Talon Financial Building in beautiful downtown Chattanooga. And our guest today is Emma Flynn, who is a practicing attorney here in Chattanooga. And uh, she has some exciting news to share. You just joined Burke, Burke, and Burke. Congratulations on that. It sounds like uh, there may be some family involved in that scenario too, right? Oh, yeah. I uh, get to work with my husband. <laughs> and his name? And his name is Chuck Flynn. Chuck Flynn. Very good. So, well, uh, well, congratulations on that. So, give me a little bit of uh, background about kind of where you are now, what made you decide to join the firm, and uh, some of the things that, uh, that led up to that decision. Oh my gosh, that's a great question. So I was on my own for about about a year, almost exactly a year. And um, I talked with a lot of firms um, and I entertained staying on my own, but I, I did kind of keep lines of communications open. And each time when push came to shove, I thought to myself, well, it's not exactly the right fit. It's not exactly what I want to do. And uh, mean, meanwhile, I obviously learned more and more about Burke, Burke and Burke through osmosis because I, you know, would stop by the office. They were also incredibly kind to me and allowed me to use their conference space um, while I was working from my home office in order to meet clients and have conferences. I got to know each of them personally. And um, and of course, their reputation as litigators precedes them. And so uh, slowly but surely, I realized that if there was one firm that I wanted to join, if there was any, if there was any, any scenario where I would leave my own practice, uh, it would be to join Burke, Burke and Burke. And eventually, um, and so eventually I did. Well, that's, uh, sounds like it's a good decision so far. So in, in terms of when you're on your own and then as you decide to join your firm, where do you find that your specialties and your strengths are? In terms of, um, yeah, in, in terms of, um, you know, we talk about um, uh, the FICA, Fair Debt Collection, Consumer Protection Acts, and you know, and in terms of business litigation in general. Sure. Um, where you know, where where do you feel strongest, and what do you like to do? Gotcha. Okay, so I think that really my interest in the law in, is really in two separate kind of large umbrellas. So the first thing I really enjoy doing is helping mid-sized, small and mid-sized businesses. Um, to kind of uh, navigate uh, the regulatory framework and particularly as far as employment practices are concerned. Um, and then the other side of things is, and really um, and really, one of the reasons I'm very happy to have joined Burke, Burke & Burke is uh, that I'm very interested in litigation as well. And I actually think that, so a lot of transactional attorneys won't do litigation at all because they're very specialized, um, which has pros and cons, because from my standpoint, I've learned a whole lot about the regulatory um, aspect and really the transactional aspect of law by looking at how and what happens when things go awfully wrong. So, um, for example, I've been both uh, I've both defended and pursued wrongful termination claims, for example, or harassment. Um, And then as uh, and then as an advisor, I'm able to tell an employer, well, 
you know, this might not be a very good practice. This might not be a really good thing to promise if you can't keep up with it or follow up with it, for example. Um, and so I think that those two kind of go hand in hand. Well, that's that's pretty unique. I mean, usually you you have a very, you have a specialty and you kind of stick with that specialty, and you 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 did something maybe that even it's out of law school. You just have something that kind of you like and you stick with it. And uh, when you to, for diversity's sake, I mean, that sounds uh, that that sounds like it's a pretty unique combination. Thank you. Yeah, I I do enjoy it. Um, I think that there's something to be said about just being a litigator that likes good cases. So I so I will say that while I have cases that I really enjoy, um, if there's if there's a case that has a particularly interesting um, aspect to it or a particularly uh, something about it is particularly appealing to mm -hmm. me, then I will um, then I mean, I will take it. <laughs> That's, um, you know, you met, I want to touch on something really quick. You mentioned some of the hurdles that some of these small and mid-sized businesses face, maybe with during startups or maybe during that kind of, uh, um, you know, you're past the, boot, the bootstrapping stage, you kind of move into that. What are some of the things that you've seen that, that, it, that would, uh, if for all of these entrepreneurs listening, that they may be able to, to, to help now rather than ha having an issue later? That's such a, that's such a great question. Um, I think that the first thing is to know, I mean, at a very early stage, it's important to know when is the it, when is a good time to formalize a structure and what structure to formalize. That's one thing. Um, later and really down the line, I think that it's incredibly important to know what to do and how to handle a situation where, let's say, um, let's say an employee uh, complains about one of the other employees uh, within a context that may suggest that they are uh, discriminating against this employee or harassing that employee on the basis of their sex or religion or something of the sort. Well, what's interesting is that a lot of a lot of people that are in business, even though it's um, that sort of indication is something that should be dealt with swiftly and immediately. Um, a lot of business owners just don't necessarily know how to deal with it. And the immediate reaction is often to feel paralyzed. So um, and so what I I have a lot of clients that are in small and mid-sized businesses that I tell, you know, as soon as someone says anything, the first thing you should do is call your attorney um, before you fire someone. Call your attorney. And I think that that's something that's incredibly important to line up before you're actually in that situation. The time to shop for an employment advisor or an attorney um, that does employment, that will review your employment practices is not after something has gone wrong. Then you're stressed out, then your mind's not clear, and then time is running out. Well, and you've got a mess to clean up, and that that's more costly than that initial consultation. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. One of the most efficient things that you can do is call your attorney before you want to take a negative employment action against someone. And what I mean by that is even if you if you want to punish someone and you're thinking of even cutting their hours in a way that's significant, that might justify, particularly depending on, on their salary level as well, but that may very well be something that would justify a call to me. Interesting. Okay. That's good information. Um, it, you know, one of the things that I know is a pain point for a lot of small businesses as well 
is um, that that age old debate of W two versus ten ninety nine, and um, you know, uh, can you offer any insight in, in terms of maybe the state of Tennessee litmus test versus maybe you know we've have some lit listeners in Georgia as well, and is there a difference? Sure. You know, what's uh, can you give us some insight into that? Yeah, absolutely. So. Okay, so let's just review our terms first. So a W-2 employee is a full-time employee. Then, um, and you have to, and there are certain tax obligations that you have to meet um, and reporting obligations. So uh, whereas a 1099 is an independent contractor and um, you basically don't pay taxes for that particular person. Now the test for, so just to back up a second, um, from a tax standpoint, it's very tempting for an employer to have uh, to classify the people working for them as 1099s because of the tax implications. Essentially, 1099s are way cheaper. However, the Department of Labor has certain, I guess, criteria in order to in order to figure out whether or not someone should be classified as an employee. And the issue is that if you misclassify and then get audited by the Department of Labor, um, you may end up kind of in hot water Mm -hmm. and certainly owing a lot of back taxes because that adds up. So um, the test itself has also kind of morphed uh, through the years. So it used to be that there was a list of um, about 20, I'm guessing, uh, 20 different indications. So, uh, for example, if they can do work wherever and whenever they want, um, then they're more likely an independent um, uh, contractor. Whereas if they have to go to your place of employment and do it on your hours and using your equipment and stuff like that, then they are more likely an employee. And basically, the more of these indications that you met, the more likely you are to have been designated an employee. Now, what a lot of employers do not know is that recently the Department of Labor has actually tightened that standard because a lot of, again, there was, it was very tempting for business owners to misclassify their employees and really not by way of lying to the tax man, but by way of, tell, uh, by way of maybe believing their own, you know, believing their own list classification. So they would say, um, and so ignorance is not always bliss in that scenario. No, I mean, it is until you get audited and then it's (laughs) less blissful. (laughs) Um, so, so then, okay. So now the test is actually, uh, in a way more simple and it makes misclassification less likely. The Mm -hmm. test is if the person that, that is working for you, and I think there are one of two tests, but the, one of them is if the person working for you is mostly is relying on their salary as their main source of income, then they are an employee. Interesting. So even and particularly this actually, and I know this is business radio, but it's important to know that um, a domestic a person working in your house, a caretaker for your house, if they are relying on that salary and let's say um, and are not in business for themselves, if they're just working for you, they're an employee. And um, the nanny tax. There could be the nanny tax. Mm-hmm. That's, that, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. And so um, there is an exception there, which is if, let's say, you get um, a cleaning company that 
and they employ a cleaning crew and they go to your house and then to seven other houses that day, then they're probably to service in, and it falls right, outside. Absolutely. Right. Then they're probably independent contractors. But if you have someone that goes to your house nine to five or, you know, or picks up your kids from school and is there uh, for a few hours a day and, and that's their main source of employment, they're probably an employee. And that's mm-hmm. just something to consider. Interesting. Yeah. But one of the, one of the things, um, that I noticed about a litmus test as well was, which I thought was so unique is, and, and this may have morphed as well. So don't, uh, if you're listening, don't hold me to this. This is but, not legal. Yes, advice. this is not legal advice. Um, but, uh, you can't actually purchase equipment for an independent contractor. So if you can't give them a computer that is a company owned computer, yep. um, or a cell phone, you've got to figure out a way they got to buy it on their own. And, you know, it's, but I, I know that's just one scenario. They have to have it. They have to have it. And, right. and again, that's just exactly um, one of those indications that they are. And it's not, I don't think it's a decisive thing, but it's certainly a strong indication that the person is not an independent contractor, right? How, and again, when you think about um, a lot of things in the law are more of an art than a science, but when you think about what an independent contractor is, it's someone that does whatever that pursuit is, he does independently, right? So if it's if you're paying someone to um, to do something that requires a laptop, one strong indication that they don't do it independently is if they don't have a laptop, for mm-hmm. example. That's right. Yeah, so. it's a good that's that's a, that's a good rule of thumb for sure. So I mean, you're you're we've covered that, you know, you really have some diversity in your background, uh, both on the litigation and on the transactional side. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you had a perfect client come walk through those doors, what, what does that client look like to you? Oh man, I'm actually thinking of a few of my existing clients right now. Um, Oh, don't butter them up. I know, I know. Well, I won't (laughs) mention their names. Um, but it's, uh, but basically I would say, Again, it would fall under one of two categories. Um, I think that the first one uh, from the litigation side is uh, is someone is essentially someone with a with a particularly um, with a particularly good case, obviously, and then uh, and good case with some interesting facts, um, and then uh, on. The transactional side, I would say it's probably a small or a mid-sized company that is um, that has uh, that has probably some combination of employees or it and or 1099s and needs some guidance about um, about compliance um, and maybe maybe a company that's planning on bringing on a round of investors at some point. Um, and so that's. Well, speaking of invest investing, and in, you know, I think it's fair to say Chattanooga has a thriving startup scene um, uh, with a lot based on the gig. Um, you know, what are you seeing in terms of deal flow or venture capital or angel investing? And I mean, is there a is there have you have you worked with clients in the past here on things of that nature? And is that a um, are you, are you seeing more of it? Are you seeing less of it? What, what is, what is, is your finger on the pulse of some of that? Absolutely. So, um, so basically, uh, there's along with the gig, it's obviously been incredibly, incredibly attractive for startups, uh, and particularly with companies 
uh, with local companies uh, in incubators such as, you know, and for example, Colab and um, and the um, Chattanooga Business Center, I want to say. There's a, um, a, the in, the uh, uh, incubator. Is that the, the one? The, yeah. Yeah. And I'm forget exactly the name. <laughs> anyway, the um, so there's essentially there's a really thriving startup scene. And it's it's interesting because I think that in a lot of ways, one of the things that we think about less is that it's a weird result of the recession that we're coming out of or just left. And so I think in Chattanooga, and it's also obviously a reflection of people's creativity. Um, I think that there are, uh, there's a huge potential locally and the enterprise center is kind of specializing in, in this, but essentially in, um, the future of virtual reality and what will happen and whether we, and um, what are the applications of something like that. With the gig particularly, what's so interesting is that there's so much potential there and um, and it's it created this fertile ground to where we just need to figure out how to really maximize on everything we have. And we're just at the tip of the iceberg with that. So I think that as far as the future of startups and of local startups is concerned, I think we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of that. And I'm excited for that. Well, and I, I would, I would tend to agree, especially with the gig tank going year round now. And, and you have, um, in, we're just trying to uh, create volume with our startups as well in the, in the city. So um, uh, that's, I couldn't agree more. Um, off, Offline, you you spoke of a side project that you were looking at doing uh, here in town, which kind of taps into um, a the creative class, uh, maybe in this more and and I and I would I, and you may change you may have a difference of opinion. I would define the creative class almost in two distinct things within the city because you you know when you have coders and designers that fall into sort of that previous conversation, but you're talking about a different bit of creative class. Do you mind? Uh, uh, talking a little bit about that. Sure. So uh, this is actually the first time I'm talking about it on any sort of media outlet. So um, so I'm kind of excited about it. But uh, basically, I'm producing uh, I'm producing a pilot that's going to be shot in Chattanooga. And uh, this is a television show. Yeah, yeah, okay. a pilot for a television show. It's going to be a comedy, and I'm working on that with uh, with my co-creator, whose name is Rob Winslow, and he's also a local filmmaker. Prior to this, I think he was solely a documentarian. So, uh, and he, of course, did a whole lot of commercial work, which is what one has to do to keep the lights on. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but he he has a, sh a current project called Southern Dialogues, and it's fascinating. It's actually about the history of Chattanooga. It's pretty cool. But anyway, um, I approached him, and we started working on this pilot about six months ago. Um, at this point, we have a wonderful cast. I was able to essentially approach who I knew to be the best actors in Chattanooga and got, you know, pretty much this incredible cast on the project. And then uh, we have an incredibly talented crew that uh, they're um, they're uh, graduated from the film department in Southern Adventist, which is known to be wonderful. So we have a complete script. And at this point, it, it, the last six months has have been um, a whole lot of workshopping the script, a lot of rehearsals, 
a lot of talking with people. I've probably talked to, had one-on-one -on -one conversations with over a hundred people, both locally and, um, and not locally. But the idea is really to create something that would be, um, a, you know, a creation of, you know, of and from Chattanooga. Okay. Uh, so it's been incredibly exciting. I think our next step really is to, you know, get even more of the right people in the right seats on the bus, so to speak. Um, <laughs> Still filling that bus. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, and then uh, probably after that, um, we are about to start the process of really funding it fully. Excellent. Excellent. And, you know, I, uh, I, I'm interested to see where uh, a lot of these, I know Georgia a couple of years ago made a major play to increase incentives to bring film and television to particularly Atlanta, but I mean, the Tyler Perry and the whole thing. And then Tennessee had to sort of do their own thing. And, and I was actually living in Memphis when um, a, uh, a Memphis based television show was shot in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And everyone was all up in arms because, you know, why would a Memphis-based television, Memphis Heat was the name of it, as a matter of fact. And um, now that Nashville is canceled, there may be some incentive money there for you. So that's, uh, I'd be interested to see. Well, I'll take it. Just write, <laughs> send me a check. Uh, if anyone's listening. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely some uh, difference in incentives. I think what's really interesting uh, is that now with with technology, I mean, in about two, in a, I think already, if you have a new iPhone, you have such a superior camera. And with the sufficient amount of know-how, which is really the most difficult thing to come by, and that's why it's so important getting the right people involved. But with the sufficient amount of know-how, you can actually make something beautiful for um, way cheaper than you could in the past. So this is uh, a really new creative age at the same time this is and um i'm going to talk about my third passion which <sighs> is uh which is television which i think is experiencing a in what uh andy greenwald has called the golden age and i think he's correct mm -hmm. um and you know part of my starting to work on this project which is really a comedy uh about a nonprofit board um but one of the reasons that I really wanted to start working on it is because I watch all these shows that are very carefully curated. And um, my husband and I read uh, a whole lot of uh, blogs about television shows. We follow, um, well, we used to follow Grandland. And, um, and uh, essentially- Rest in peace. Great I know, <laughs> I know, it's so sad. Um, although they're, I feel like they're recovering well. I, I really like uh, watching After the Thrones Hashtag Hodor. Anyway, but the... Um, I haven't seen the latest episode. Don't don't uh, spoil it. Oh, I got to leave now. Um, well, so, uh, so with all that said, I think that I, at some point, really thought to myself, you know, it's now is the right time to get involved in something like that. And um, rather than just be kind of a passive viewer uh, or an active viewer, which I certainly am. Uh, so this is an incredibly exciting uh, opportunity for me. Well, that's that's uh, really exciting. Uh, we're here with uh, uh, Emma Flynn with 
uh, Burke, Burke & Burke Law Firm. And uh, we are live at the Regis Office Center in the Talon Financial Building in downtown Chattanooga. And uh, uh, speaking of Chattanooga, let's talk, uh, let's shift really quickly on the, um, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on where we are, where we were, how long have you lived here and what sort of experience, uh, where have you seen growth? Oh, that's so interesting. What a great question. Okay, so uh, my husband and I moved to Chattanooga. Neither one of us is from here. Uh, I'm from Miami and my husband is from Indianapolis. Uh, we came here while we were in law school on spring break. We walked the walking bridge and uh, we felt a certain momentum. Uh, later, and then we we actually already paid a deposit to spend the summer in the Hamptons and study for the New York bar and be New York attorneys that didn't pan out. Uh, we decided to, we basically changed our plans and decided to move to Chattanooga instead. And that was about five years ago. When we first moved here, we moved to the South side. Really, we found the place um, online and it wasn't, and we didn't really understand uh, the huge growth that's happening there as well. What's funny is a lot of people in Chattanooga, it's a really, uh, it's a very common thing to hear 10 years ago, you wouldn't recognize this place. And what's funny is that in the five years we've been here, I think that holds true as well. There's been so much growth, the, obviously in the South side, but also, you know, but also around uh, where we live, with, which is North Chats. So I think that the town is growing, the, the city is growing incredibly, uh, incredibly fast. Uh, and so we're really waiting with bated breath to see where we're headed next. Well, that's, uh, I, I would come to Chattanooga as a child and it was a different experience entirely. And, uh, watching, watching and it evolve, uh, is, is really interesting, both on the, um, the, the housing side where you see housing, the downtown boom, but then the business side, which I think is credited to, um, the, the vision that, uh, uh, the public utility here uh, gave to 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 invest in the network and the gig, and um, I think we're seeing the benefits of that now. If someone wanted to reach out to you and and talk to you about uh, you know it, any of the above, the the diversity of our conversations today, where can they reach you? For any uh, Game of Thrones related conversations, <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, so <laughs> well, that's our that's our next uh, podcast. So. Yeah. I love it. Okay, um, so. Uh, go ahead and email me, actually. That's probably the best way of reaching me at uh, Emma at Burke Attorneys. Uh, it's dot com. Trick is attorneys is actually spelled the shorthand way. So A-T-T-Y-S. So and for non Chattanooga, that's Burke with an E. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. We all know Burke, but outside of those may not. So that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't mind spelling that out real quick, attorneys, A-T-T. Ah, you're putting Oh no. No, 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 no. It's totally fine. Um, <laughs> Tell you so what, we'll, is... we'll put it on we'll put it on the website. Oh, no, no, no. That's fine. I was okay. I was I was making a joke. And I guess it didn't land. It's fine. <laughs> I'm still it's, uh... I'm, I'm still thinking about the Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um you have to you have to just go home and watch it like immediately. I will. I'm on um, it. I'm on it. Stream it if you must. I'm, I'm actually... Use up your data. It's fine. I'm streaming on my iPad right it's, now. It's worth it. Are you watching Game of Thrones <laughs> right now? Now, right now. That's good. Okay. So it's B-E-R-K-E. -E. Okay. Burke. Very good. Well, Emma, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, any final thoughts for you? 
Uh, no, it's been so much fun. I really enjoyed this. Good, I did too. This was a lot of fun. Uh, there again, uh, we enjoyed it. Chattanooga Business Radio. My name is Drew Ermitz, and uh, check us out online at chattanooga.businessradiox.com. Thanks, and have a great day. <laughs>